Okay, okay. Now, take two. Now we are live with Game Over Edmonton. It's your boy, Avery Lewis McDougall here. You know where there's a will, there's a way. We figured things out here on the SDPN. Big shout out to Robert, Dennis, and Zach for helping me out when I came on. Audio wasn't working. Reach out to the guys. They, they worked. They reached out to the team here. They made things work. But now we're on the air. We're thriving. We're living life. Edmonton wins over Seattle today, 6-4. to four, A huge win inside the division for the Orlando over the Seattle Kraken. But first, a word from our friends at Sports Interaction. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness. Exclusive games with insane odds. You can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario. Use a QR code you see at the bottom of your screen. Or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus and please play responsibly. With that being said, the empty Oilers take down the Seattle Kraken. 6-4 to four on the road in Washington, in Seattle, Washington. And you know, the Pacific Division stays tight. The Pacific Division stays one of the more fun ones to watch in all of hockey. You cannot say you're bored watching battles between Edmonton, Seattle, Vegas, and L.A. As now, there's only a four-point gap between Edmonton and first place in the division, which the Golden Knights still hold on to. And it was a game in which, you know, I'll give, I've got to give full props to Evander Kane. He comes in this game, gets himself a hat trick. And early on, he was a key call when it came to scoring early on in both the first and second period. Strong starts for Edmonton in both frames. But it was a game in which there are certain parts outside of Kane, which Edmonton was a little bit sloppy, but they held. They bent, but they did not break as the cracking came in waves towards Edmonton in this game. It was a game in which this could have easily gone Seattle's way in, in the fact that they pushed. They did push on Stuart Skinner. It was a game in which he did hold strong once again, solidifying the fact that, yes, if you're going into the postseason, you're going into the playoffs, your number one guy is, without a doubt, going to be Stuart Skinner between the pipes right there. And again, he's shown me, like, he deserves to be this franchise's 1B goaltender. Well-deserved effort from Stewart tonight in net. And also, I see you got a busy chat here. <laughs> oh, Fronsickle, Frankie. Yes, no, full full praise to Gilliam Moto tonight. Kyler got himself on the board as well, too. Likes he when Kyler steps up. and likes he when Kyler gets himself on the board. He is someone who I want to see Kyler redeem himself from early injuries. Um play where he struggled early on. But, you know, when Kyler goes in, gets himself a goal, I'm happy for the guy. I want to see Kyler step up in the postseason. I want to see him do what he can do because we've seen Kyler able to play well before in this in the postseason. So we'll see what happens there down the stretch. But, you know, ugly win, but sometimes you got to win some games ugly. Sometimes ugly wins get to help a team along. Not every win is going to be a picture-perfect effort. 
That's how some games are in the NHL. The long season, not every game you win is going to go to how it's planned up for Woodcroft and company. It is what it is. And again, here on the SDPN, like Zach said in the chat, let's get let us get some more likes on the SDPN channel, Game Over Edmonton. Please support all the hosts, all the contributors. Support everybody. It's a group effort. We produce content from countrywide, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Montreal. It's a great group here. So if you like the content, download the podcast, uh, share your friends, your enemies, your frenemies. Let's grow this a little bit more. Let's grow things a little bit more. And, and again, it's funny. This is becoming a common trend here on Game Over Edmonton. Afternoon game? Who's hosting? Yours truly. Because I think Doc and Dennis truly believe if they host a game in the afternoon, things might not go so well. So I've been, for the most part, the designated afternoon host of Game Over Edmonton, and Edmonton gets a victory in a game before 5 p.m. <laughs> Either way, they still got to win. That was the most important thing to gain some more ground in the Pacific Division race for a division title to gain more ground on teams like LA and teams like Vegas, because it's going to be tight. I've said it before on the show and on other platforms how the division will not be determined for really any team in the Pacific until game 80 or game 81. It's going to be a dogfight the entire way as we go down the stretch here in this division. And Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid gets goal number 58 tonight and a power play goal to seal things for Edmonton's victory. And it's just too easy for Connor McDavid. It is too easy as he once again increases his lead on the NHL goal scoring race and is now two away from becoming the first Oiler to record 60 goals in the season in many gener in many years. Hasn't happened in the past 30 or so years. In a very long time, you've seen an Oiler score 60 goals in the campaign. And he's about to join a very, very exclusive club of Oilers who have scored 60 in an NHL season. And, you know, that's, that's fun to see because I when the season began, I think most people figured when the season began, he would be on pace or he would try to get 50. We've seen Connor get 40 before. We knew he had the ability to be a 40 to 50 goal guy. But now you got McDavid on pace right now to easily get past the 60-goal barrier as an Edmonton Orler. This is territory that only Wayne, Wayne Gretzky's done it before. And Yari Curry. It is a very limited club of guys who could hit 60. So McDavid joining a group of Gretzky and Curry as his franchise's only 60-goal men would not be a bad look. Would not be a bad look at all. And yeah, Edmonton has four guys with 30 goals now. Zach Hyman is a 30-goal club. Zach Hyman gets there. And again, how can you not be happy for what Zach Hyman has done during his tenure as an Edmonton Oiler? As he puts up career highs in goals. And again, Zach Hyman does, he does best. He can get to the net. He's been a great addition offensively. He's been that secondary scoring option that has come as delivered to Edmonton. You got to love that. 
And again, we saw again the back end, the play of um, the play of Ekholm, Matthias Ekholm, three points tonight again. Zach, thank you, Zach. Matthias Ekholm was the guy Edmonton needed. He has come as advertised. We knew what he. We already knew what he was able to do in Nashville, and he has been a wonderful addition on the back end for this franchise. And what he has done for Evan Bouchard has been amazing. What Bouchard has done for Ekholm has been great. Jay Woodcroft said it. Jay Woodcroft said a few nights ago that Ekholm has been a uh, a wonderful addition to the back end. Has been great, a uh, great influence for Evan Bouchard. And going down the stretch in the postseason, having a guy like that who can be strong defensively, who can chip in offensively, who can have multi-point nights. It's a beautiful sight to see. And that is the kind of guy you go in when you want to tell everybody that, yes, we are truly here to contend in Western Conference, and we are gunning for a repeat of making it to the Western Conference Finals and hopefully getting to a cup final for the first time since 2006. So no, it's been it's been fun to watch. It has been fun to watch so far, and that, and that Edmonton now returns at home, plays San Jose. Should be a game. Should be another game which they do bring home two points. Sorry, gang. I think I got a message coming in. Sorry about that. Should be that. But now Edmonton's schedule now for the most part. I believe Edmonton's schedule down the stretch here. It's it's not that bad in terms of their final uh, twelve to thirteen games. Compared to most teams in the Western Conference, they have a pretty light schedule compared to most. So, gunning for the division, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be out of the, out of the question to see Edmonton really really have a great shot contending when it comes to the um, division title. Granted, they do still have games against Vegas and against LA. Those are going to be some major tests after San Jose. Edmonton has a uh, two more games at home. San Jose. Arizona, Vegas, then they're going on the road for two games. They're playing Arizona and Vegas back-to-back, and then you got L.A. And then you wrap your season up. You, you're you staying in, in your division for the most part. you got Anaheim, L.A. again, Anaheim, San Jose, Colorado, San Jose. So outside of Colorado, L.A., and Vegas, for the most part, you're looking at a pretty easy schedule. But then again, then again, I should be careful. I should be careful saying easy because this team has dropped a game to the Anaheim Ducks. This team has lost to Anaheim. So be careful talking about easy. <laughs> be careful with that. I see uh, John John Jensen here is talking about potentially conference two. Yeah. That's, the conference isn't out of the The conference isn't reach. The conference is in reach still right now if you look in the Western Conference. Mm-mm. No, Zach, I agree. Now, home ice, that is going to be a huge thing. We know the impact in the playoffs of being able to get home ice advantage, start a series in front of your home fans. <laughs> Columbus. Oh, my gosh. Don't remind me, Dennis. Don't remind me, but you are you're entirely right. This team did also lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets, a situation that... That shouldn't have happened. That should not have happened. Yeah, that that was a game in which... That was a frustrating game in Columbus in which Jackets got up early and Edmonds was playing from behind far too often. Yeah, that, that in no way, shape, or form should have happened. But as it stands right now, 
as it stands right now, Edmonton has come out and they've closed the gap. That division right now is going to be one to watch, a really fun one to watch, I see. Uh, Vincent D'Arnais, he is someone, you know what? Uh, Vincent D'Arnais, he's someone I personally like. I personally do like Vincent D'Arnais, but it's going to be interesting to see how this team handles um, D'Arnais and Broberg in the back end in terms of who plays a little bit more. That's going to be an interesting thing to see. Because I'm, I'm, I honestly don't know what we're gonna do in terms of who plays the back end in the postseason. I, I personally do think you might see more more Broberg than than Darnay, because there are certain times where Darnay does get exposed again being a rookie. So I, I could see more Broberg playing the playoffs as opposed to any Darnay. But I do like, I do like what he brings. I do like his toughness. I mean, <laughs> he's not a guy I would fight. He is not a guy I would fight whatsoever. He could fold me a clean laundry at 6'6". Six, six. I mean, you, you, you all saw the picture of him, of his stick next to myself and Tony Brock. His stick alone is bigger than me. But, you know, for the most part, as a bottom-pairing guy, I do, for the most part, like what DNA brings. But in a postseason series against, against, say, possibly a Dallas or L.A., Vegas, I'm not sure how much he's going to play when it comes to a six or seven game series, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that. <laughs> Zach, they they told me they told me Vander Kane was washed. <laughs> you know what? I was wondering about how Vander would respond after the wrist injury, how his game would look. But you know what? He stepped up though. He stepped up mightily in this game tonight or tonight today. Ah, the afternoon game. No, his offensive spark was needed, and we all know. Striking first is a big thing. Edmonton getting the jump first is a thing this team has to do, and it has to do more of. And right there, we saw this team getting goals at the start of the first and second within the first five minutes. That is a thing you have to uh, converge on. The thing you have to take advantage of, scoring early against a team like the Seattle Kraken. I love seeing that. So that was great to see, getting the goal, getting goals early on to start the game. And Edmonton, and a team that's known for the power play, Edmonton, only one power play goal tonight. Only one goal on the power play. You like seeing that. A team that, yes, all season long, known for the power play, getting goals at 5-on-5, that is a big thing for this team. To show that, hey, we can do more than score on just power play. Showing everybody, yes. You are a great team when you have an advantage, but not needing the power play to win is a great sign. So they got three chances, got the one goal in the power play, but hey, scoring 5-1-5, that's a huge thing you need to show you can do Come when it comes down to the crunch time, when it comes down to a series against, say, I mentioned it before, say when you're playing Dallas, when you're playing LA, Vegas, or whoever else you might face in the first or second or third round. So that's important. That is gonna be fun. And again, I love seeing I love seeing y'all in the chat here, hopping up and talking, having fun. Uh yeah, you know, I know games like these, I know games like these when they get tense. When they get tense, you know, our boys, Zach and Dennis get animated. I like to try and bring the composure a little bit, but you know what? Hey, it's it's all good, it's all fun. We all have fun here in game over Edmonton. And I love the afternoon games because now also too, now the game is done. You, my dear viewer, 
get to have an evening and an afternoon to enjoy yourself, have a night out, if that's your thing, on a, on a fun weekend. <laughs> oh, man, I appreciate it. I got zero complaints. <laughs> Zach, postseason is going to be fun, buddy. The postseason is going to be fun. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that first game of Game Over Edmonton that goes like three overtimes and ends up midnight. I cannot wait for that. If it's one of the games where it's all three of us or it's just Zach hosting or it's just Zach and myself, I cannot wait to see everybody coming on here in the postseason after a triple overtime game. Those episodes of Game Over Edmonton are going to be very fun to see. They're going to be very fun. I see, John. Oh, you're not in Australia. I love that. See, game over Edmonton going international. I love seeing that. I think I can. I'm sure everybody here at SDPN love the love the um, attention from all across the world. Yo, that's the first time I recall seeing a viewer from Australia tapping in for an episode of Game Over Edmonton. That is super dope to see. And you know, hey, maybe maybe we'll do a Game Over Edmonton next year next year from the australian game um next fall <laughs> maybe maybe we can make that happen someday game over a show from australia next year for the preseason game that's supposed to happen adelaide south australia oh wow adelaide there you go that's that is amazing that is very very cool to see as as someone who is in as someone in the past who has written for australian sports websites Australian for Australian newspapers. That's dope to see. That is awesome. Hey, we got people from Yukon territory hopping up and in. So hey, we're for the people. We're for everybody. So that is fun to see. It is amazing to see here on Game Over Edmonton. As I mentioned though, I mentioned all this team. This team bent but did not break. I'll admit, I was a little bit concerned seeing when the Kraken cut down this lead to a four to a 4-3 game. And that's the big thing is holding on to leads. I'm sure like many of you in the chat, multi-goal leads has been something that for the Oilers, I think there's a little bit, a little bit of a flashback to Lost against Toronto where Seattle was cracking into the lead. Like, hey, hey, you get that cracking? And there's a bit of oh no, here we go again. Because the Kraken weren't going away. Even when this game was 3-1, you could see Seattle pushing back when they went he got what well, it was three one three two. Everly scores, Hyman scores, but then Albert Borkstrand has a reply to make things a one goal game. I'm sure there are a few people, myself included, thinking, "Ah, jeez, multi goal lead, it's falling apart." But the response after the Borkstrand goal to make things once again a two goal game, and then Drysaddle, sorry, McDavid scores the power play goal. I like seeing that. I like seeing the fact that this team found ways to extend the lead, didn't sit back, and then, of course, they finished things off. And then Eli Tolvanen scores, make it 6-4. I still think Tolvanen would have been a great addition on the Edmonton roster, though. He's still someone, I gotta admit. Tolvanen is someone who I still think Edmonton should have acquired. He's been having a great year for Seattle after Nashville put him on waivers. Oof. I still think he would have been a great pickup for the Oilers, though. Yeah, I think now, mm -hmm. I could see now uh, Jack Campbell 
Campbell getting a couple of games here now. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to get Campbell playing against um, San Jose. I give I would give Jack Campbell San Jose and I give him Arizona. Then I would go back to Stu against Vegas. I would give give Stu Vegas. Maybe give Campbell the return game in uh, in Arizona. But yeah, against Vegas and against LA, those are Stuart Skinner games. San Jose, Arizona. I have no issues with back to back with um, Jack Campbell in those games. But yeah, in a game against the Golden Knights and against the Kings, I firmly believe those have to be starts for Stuart Skinner. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, gang. <clears throat> yeah, because one thing you don't want to do is, at the same time, you, you do have to give Stuart Skinner some level of rest. You have to give him some games where he can just relax. Because you don't want to... I mean, yes, he's a rookie. Yes, he's young. But I don't want to see him burnt out too much. That's the one thing I don't want to see. I don't want to see him going on a run where he's playing... 10, 15 straight, and come playoffs, he's doing too much. But let him rest couple, these couple of games here. Put him back against the big guns. <laughs> that Costin fight, that Costin fight was funny. But, you know, you got to love seeing Costin. He's a guy who will, he does, whatever, he does whatever needs to be done. He, when he's called upon, he will, he will defend his guys. He'll get into a scrap. He'll chip up with, he'll chip in with a goal here and there, like, Clem Costin has been endearing himself to his teammates and to his fan base for quite some time now. You gotta love what Costin does in so many aspects on this team. <clears throat> um, MG, that was one thing I was trying to figure out though. I I gotta go back and watch myself as well too. I don't think on first glance it was clear why this fight happened. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it as well too to get a better understanding. I didn't see exactly what caused that. Um, cause the cost and fight to occur with Hayden but but like I said with Clean Costin he is someone who I absolutely have fallen in love with as a player what he's done and in the locker room in the locker room he is easily one of the funniest quotes you can think of on this team just in terms of his sarcasm and how he approaches me availability very polite guy very polite person but just his the dry humor and the wit of Clean Costin, I think, is it's very refreshing. It's very refreshing to see. He's got a personality. And that's the thing that I've said before in many aspects of hockey. You need guys like that who are going to be animated, who are going to give you more than just the pure cliches after a game or after a practice in a pregame. And Clean Costin has done that. So I like what he's brought on and off the ice. But yeah, and we'll we'll see how much we'll see how often again Costin Costin checks into the lineup again. I know he hadn't played for a little bit though, and there was a run where Costin wasn't playing for a bit. He had injuries, he was scratched. So we'll see going forward how much clean Costin does play down the stretch here. And uh Zach's talking about Eisman. Con McDavid, that's in play. It is interesting to see that Connor McDavid Breaking Eisenman's mark of 155 points is in play. In the modern era, it shouldn't be. A player being able to surpass 155 in 2023, you would think that would not be possible with just how the game has changed and how this is. Yes, this is, for many reasons, the toughest era of hockey. 
to put up points. He's at one, 132, and it's possible that he could get there. Remember, people said it wasn't possible for a player to get to 100, 100 points in a 56-game season, and McDavid got to 105. Not possible for a guy to break 60 or get past 60 goals. McDavid might do that quite easily. So 150, the 150 mark or 155, I'm not going to say it's impossible with Carmen McDavid. This is a guy who is less than 200 points away from 1,000 in his career, and he is nowhere near 30 yet. He could possibly get to 1,000 points next season. <laughs> That's in play. I'm done putting limitations on Connor McDavid. I am done putting limitations in terms of what he can or what he cannot do when it comes to either goal or point total. Because what's the point? He'll make you. He'll make us all look silly. <laughs> it's funny because for the hockey news, we had our preseason prediction for the hockey news in terms of what McDavid would do for points. And I said before, Tony Ferrari uh, had him at the highest. Our guy Tony for the hockey news said his point total would be 134. I admit, I had Connor tapping out at 122. I had 122. He's blown past 122 quite easily. And he will get past Tony's prediction of 134. And we kind of said, Tony, 134, it's a little bit high. He's already there. <laughs> He's already there. So, I don't know what I'm going to do for next year's predictions for the hockey news. I don't know what I'm going to say. I might just come out of the bat and say, you know what? 149, 151. And watch him break that too next season. Because we're talking about a guy who is 26 and still getting better. And still finding ways to evolve as a pro hockey player. As is Leon Dreisaitl. Which is a scary thing to think about. Which is... <laughs> I predict 342. <laughs> you know what, Zach? You may as well call it. You may as well say he's going to get to 342. You may as well say he's going to get to 85 goals next year because limitations for McDavid. And think about it too. Think about the games where McDavid had only one point or was held up a score sheet or could have had a four or five point night. There were chances with McDavid could have been on pace for 161-152 if not for a, bis a missed net here, a shot off the post here. Uh, 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 clutch save here or there. He could have gone far past that. McDavid is putting up Tyler Benson, Southside Athletic. <laughs> oh, yes. The Southside Athletic Club numbers of Tyler Benson. I remember when I was at, um, I was at TSN 1260, we would talk about Tyler Benson stats and Bantam because Tyler Benson, for those of you who don't recall, when he was playing Bantam Midget Hockey, he was regularly putting up eight, nine, ten point games at will. And it was silly to see how we would talk about that. Tyler Benson just demolishing kids at 14, consistently averaging six, seven points a game. It was crazy. But it was fun to see that kind of stuff. But uh, the sky's limit for McDavid. We're going to see where he can 
we're going to see what he ends up at, but it, it'll be fun though. Like I'm, I'm not sure where he can And MGD. Right. Yeah. There are nights where Edmonton was ahead by quite a bit. And McDavid could have still gone supernova. And there were games where McDavid passed off a chance at empty netter in which he wasn't on the ice for empty net goals. Other players had the chance of scoring. So the totals could be a lot higher, but either way, it's still fun to see. And it's fun to see not just McDavid, but the fact that you're getting production from, we talked about for a long time with this team, the need to get scoring from beyond Dreisaitl, McDavid, and again, you get scoring from Yamamoto. You get scoring from Hyman. You get scoring from Evander Kane. Great to see that this team is now showing that, hey, McDavid doesn't have to carry this team to a victory. There's well-rounded forward, there's well-rounded forward scoring now that can carry load. And in seasons prior, we all know this, in seasons prior, if McDavid wasn't playing or McDavid had an off night, it was almost certainly a guaranteed loss. And not by one goal, but it was a guaranteed blowout loss. I think y'all remember, there were a couple of nights um, in, what, 2019-2020 and 2018-2019 where if McDavid wasn't playing at all or if McDavid was, um, had an off night or Dreisaitl wasn't playing or having an off night, then the entire thing would collapse. The entire house of cards would fall. And it would be an ugly, ugly night if one of those two guys couldn't play at all or just had an off night. There wasn't a second, there wasn't a supporting cast strong enough to carry the load. But now you're seeing that supporting cast stepping up more and more. And stepping up in a game against a divisional rival this late in the season speaks to how improved this team is right now compared to even last year and even... 2020, 2019, 2018. So it's refreshing. And I think people are now realizing that, hey, Edmonton gets hot in a, in a first-round series, second-round series. They might be among the last two teams standing. It's a very good chance. And I'm seeing more and more people coming out and saying that Edmonton right now should be feared, should be a team to watch out for. You should be afraid of what Edmonton's going to do in a, in a series come, come April. It's going to be fun. Someone might... <laughs> someone to score and win. Dennis, you know, what, you know what's going to happen again? It's going to happen again. Schedule one more game just for fun. Edmonton-Nashville. Dry will do it. <laughs> Dry will do that. We saw Dry Seidel come close against the Predators. It's going to happen eventually when there's... Next year. I'm going to call right now next year. A Dry Seidel five-goal game against Nashville. So someone can win the score and win from Sabon. Because <laughs> for whatever reason, Dry just goes supernova against the Preds, either at home or away. I don't know what it is. He eats them like Wheaties. He eats them like Wheaties. Yeah, I know. I just aged myself by probably like 20, 20 25 years. Do kids still eat Wheaties in the morning? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, but that'll be that'll be fun to watch either way. Oh my gosh! But yeah, no, this team has been it's been amazing. It's been so much fun. So, anyways, gang, we're gonna wrap things up here on game over. 
on game over Edmonton. Thank you all for tuning in. And hey, I got to give a big shout out to Dennis, Zach, Robert, and help me out. Things didn't go right, but you know what? Hey, it happens. We're a team. We figured things out. The boys are back on Monday to recap Edmonton San Jose. Anyways, until next time, I am out of here. Peace.